And we'll uh, pick up where we left off last week, but well, we'll do a little review first. So let's um, take a look at our theme verse for our sermon series and also gives the title for the series, John 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the one and only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Last week, we started talking a little bit about that verse, um, but especially about verses John 1 through 5, which we'll see in a second. But just uh, to run through what we're going to be doing with our sermon series, last week we talked about the Word for the world. Today, our topic is the voice to the world. Next week will be the light of the world. And then two weeks from today is our Connect Christmas, and we're sticking with John 1 as the, uh, as the passage that, that guides that service, changing the, the flow a little bit of the, the title, so we'll be zeroing in on the idea of grace and truth as that was uh, revealed to us in Jesus. Last week we talked about the word for the world, and we did so by uh, looking at these Verses. Why don't you read those with me, if you would? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We looked at a couple of words last week, and we said that the world, we talk about the word for the world, the, the world, especially in St. John's Gospel, is the inhabitants of the world who stand in opposition to God. And the word, as it uh, is used in John chapter 1, is what God reveals about himself, and probably the easiest way to remember that is if you know Jesus, you know God. If you don't know Jesus, you don't know God. So that was last week's sermon, and some of you are wondering, so why did it take him 20 minutes to say that last week? Well, history's about to repeat itself. So we're going to go to our text for today. As I read this, and there's going to be another verse that will, will show up as well, but as I read this, will you... Count, not out loud. Girls and boys, you could count out loud, I suppose, if you wanted to. But, but count the number of times the word witness appears in these verses. There was a man sent from, John, or from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He, John, was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks, or what, yeah, was before me. Um, how many times is witness used in this slide? One time, and I heard somebody already added up the ones from the first slide. So one plus three equals. Four, very good guys. And now remember that number because we're going to add another three to it because if you kept reading in John chapter one, witness would show up another three times. So how many times does that make all together? 
Seven, very good. Seven times when John is talked about, he's talked about as a witness. You get the idea, maybe that's a pretty important thing. We're going to be talking about John's voice, not his exclusive. We're talking about John's voice today. But, but as we do that, we can think about the fact that, that John used his voice as a witness for Jesus. And he used his voice very effectively for that. Uh, some people came to, uh, to see him and ask him, well, who do you think you are, really? And, and pay attention to how these answers work out. So first of all, it's, who are you? And he says, I'm not the Christ. Then they say, what then? Are you Elijah? And he says, I'm not. Are you the prophet? No. What do you notice there? Gets progressively shorter each time. Why is that? Because John doesn't want to talk about himself. He did not come to talk about himself. It's only when he has the chance to talk about Jesus that he starts saying more. And when he's talking about Jesus, he says, I am the voice. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. I think he answered that way because he saw himself not just as an individual, but as as part of, of something so much bigger than just himself. He was the one who was sent to prepare the way for the Savior. John talks about himself and and about who he is really in relationship to God. Because John knows, as we should also know about ourselves, apart from God, we are nothing. In your sermon outline... I don't think this made it onto the screen. So in, in, your, in your sermon outline, John's talking about Jesus, and he says of Jesus, he must increase. And what does John say about himself? I must decrease. Listen to some of the other things that John said about Jesus. Uh, there's a quote or two about that in your sermon outline as well. Uh, But in verse 15, and and we read this before, he who comes after me, meaning Jesus, ranks before me because he was before me. Last week we talked about the fact that the, the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and what we said was John is telling us that Jesus is eternal. That at the very beginning the Word was already there. That's also with John the Baptist. By the way, don't get those two mixed up, right? John the Evangelist is different from John the Baptist. But, so John the Baptist says, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me, because he, Jesus, was from eternity. A little later in that chapter, John says about Jesus, describes him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And a little bit after that, he says, I have seen and bore witness that this is the Son of God. By the way, I'm leaving this up there on the screen because I'd like you to just kind of be reading that while you're listening to some of this and try to get this into our heads uh, maybe even just a little bit more. So let's honor uh, John's example now. We're not going to talk anymore very much anyway about John the Baptist. Let's talk about the one he talked about that that he wanted to talk about, the subject of, of his preaching, who is, of course, 
Jesus. What does Jesus have to say about himself? Well, one thing, he, as opposed to John, who was not the Christ, Jesus was the Christ, and so Jesus freely confessed about himself, I am the Christ. You're not going to find that exact phrase there, but that's what he said about himself. And one of the things we want to recall is that in John 1, John is, is explaining to us the marvel and the mystery of Christmas. And that is that the eternal word, God himself, took on human flesh. But John wants us to know, and Jesus is careful to point out, the fact that Jesus took on human flesh doesn't mean he gave up being divine, being God. So Jesus uses this phrase, I am, quite often. And Bible scholars will tell us that Jesus did that intentionally, and they're correct about this, of course, that Jesus used this intentionally to claim to be God. God's name in the Old Testament, Yahweh, which uh, Bible scholars are kind of divided on exactly what that means. It could mean I am who I am, or I am who I will be, but what they're not disagreeing about is that it means I am. You know, the observant Jews in the Old Testament would not utter the word, the name Yahweh, because they were afraid that they might mispronounce it or or somehow use it incorrectly. They had that much respect for the name of God. Good for them. We should too. That's an aside. Jesus took that name and, and not only used it, but applied it to himself and said, I am. And just look at some of the things that that Jesus said he is. And you'll notice, we won't talk about it today, but you notice that almost all of those, except for the good shepherd, come up in in John chapter 1 as well, as Jesus talks about himself, John talks about him in those same ways. But there's, there's one time... And this is one of the things that maybe is most remarkable and and certainly worked out well for us. There's one time where where Jesus did not use his voice. That was when he stood before Pilate and would not defend himself, would not prove the lie to those false charges that had been brought against him. He didn't deny being the Christ. He didn't deny being God. But he didn't defend himself to keep from going to the cross. Why not? Because Jesus had something in common with John here, and that is, well, John didn't consider himself to be the most important, and and wonder of all wonders, neither did Jesus. God become man, and in Jesus' mind and, and heart, he's not most important who is. You are, and and I am. And this word made flesh, this God became, become man, thought we were more important than he, thought our lives were worth more than his. So he gave up his life for us. So that he can say about us, you are loved. You are set free. Remember that passage from John 8 where everyone who sins is a slave to sin? 
Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Free not to sin, free from sin and from its guilt. And as we sometimes add, also free for service. John came to prepare the way for Jesus. John came so that God's people would be prepared to receive him, to hear his voice. Because we have heard the voice of Jesus saying to each one of us, you are loved and you are free. We now want to use our voices to praise him. But here's something I want to be very clear on. Your voice and my voice, it's not just the words that we use, and that's that little um, formula in your sermon outline, blank plus blank equals voice. This is not a difficult one to, uh, to figure out. It's a little dif- more difficult to put into practice, as Pastor Adams reminded us with our confession today. But the first one is words. What do you think the second one is? Certainly, words plus actions equal voice. And those words and those actions, if we're going to speak with a clear voice, those words and those actions have to match up. They have to be in sync. And as Pastor Adams reminded us, they are not always. And we repent of that, don't we? And, and, and we thank God for His forgiveness, and we ask God for His strength so that we can speak with a clear voice, words and actions lining up precisely. Now we have a chance to do that during this Advent and Christmas season with those prayer cards, and I encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to fill one of those out. As Pastor Adams mentioned, you just put it in the box. They'll end up on the altar. We'll pray over them. Nobody's reading these names Uh, out loud or, or to ourselves. This is kind of intended to spur you to action a little bit because if you're praying for somebody, you're going to do more than just pray for them. I don't know what that will be because it depends on the situation and the circumstance. Maybe one of the things we're hoping for is that maybe you'll invite them to worship with you on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or, or perhaps some other time. But just an opportunity for our, for our actions, writing that down, to, to match our voice, what we say we believe, what I know we believe about God and prayer. We had a, an opportunity this past week to, to have an example of words and actions lining up. I'm talking about the funeral for former President um, George H.W. Bush. And no, no matter what your politics, you'd have to agree, if you knew anything about this man, You'd have to agree that, that his actions were in sync with his words. And, and even his political rivals uh, would acknowledge that. One, uh, one newspaper, the, the headline was, uh, Former President Remembered for Integrity, Service. Service meaning during World War II. But what's integrity? It's when our actions and our words line up. And I caught a little bit of the service and the sermon at the National Cathedral. And uh, George uh, Bush's pastor was the preacher at the National Cathedral. And, and he showed a plaque that the president had given him some time ago. And it had a, a 
very familiar, I think, sentiment on it. It was said just a little bit differently than I've normally heard it, but this is the way it was quoted. Always preach Christ, and if necessary, use words. Now, that's an exaggeration, isn't it? It is. In order to preach Christ, you have to to say the name of Jesus. But the sentiment is so good. Because the most effective witness for Jesus involves so much more than simply words. Our words and our actions must be in sync to be an effective witness for Jesus. To speak with a clear voice about him. So we're going to finish today by letting you hear uh, a voice that's going to be familiar to many of you. Not everybody, uh, because this individual um, has been dead uh, for some time. If you never were able to hear his voice before, you know it's not your fault, but you don't know what you missed. So let's see if you can figure out. There's a breaking ball in for a strike, and he stood there like the house by the side of the road and watched it go by. Struck him off. A swing, there's a drive to left. That one is long gone. Who was that? Ernie Harwell. We could have listened to that instead of the sermon today, right? No, laughing isn't the correct response. The correct response is no, we want to hear what you have to say. Although it's, it's great to, to hear uh, his voice. Well, I'm going to show a video clip here in a minute with Ernie uh, talking to Mitch Album shortly before Ernie died. And he knew he was dying. He had uh, uh, inoperable cancer. He was pretty old, too. But he knew he was going to die. And, and he made, I think this might have been his last public appearance. It was to support one of Mitch Album's charities. And at the end of their interview on stage... It turned to uh, matters of faith. So what happened was that I, I began to get uh, success-oriented. And I thought, well, I can get fulfillment by getting my name in the Sporting News. So at the age of 16, I wrote the Sporting News, and they gave me the job as correspondent. And then I got on the Atlantic Constitution, and then I got on the radio, and none of those things fulfilled me. And in 1961, in spring training at Lakeland, a small voice told me to go to Bartow because Dr. Billy Graham was conducting a service there, an Easter service in 1961, and when he issued the invitation to come down and to surrender my life to Jesus, that's what made the big change. that I have. I don't know how many days I've got left, but let me say this. I praise God because he's given me this time, and because of this illness that he's brought to me, and because of the difficulties, it's brought me so much closer to him. It's brought my family closer to him. Amen. And it's a great blessing that he has given to me that in my final days, I can really know where I'm going, whose arms I'm going to end up in, and uh, what a great And in his article that he wrote about this, uh, Mitch Album said, when he said that, what, what you just heard, a shiver shot from my chest to my fingers. One thing to read about belief, it's another thing to witness belief in the face of death and hear it spoken in a calm, serene voice. A couple other quotes from the article. Because of his faith, Ernie is more humble than most, yet humility made him more beloved than flamboyance 
ever could. His, his words and his actions syncing up. And then uh, Mitch concluded the article by saying, as a sports writer, I've walked alongside greatness, walked alongside skill, walked alongside power, success, and fame, but I've never been arm in arm with pure goodness and faith the way I was that night. Actions in sync with words, speaking with a clear voice, witnessing of Jesus. Today, you are God's voice to the world about the Word made flesh. What will your voice, your words, and your actions say about the Savior this week? Amen. Why don't you stand? We're going to say the creed too. So the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.